0: Hello everybody, it's Dr. Sophie back again with our weekly podcast and this week we're talking about something that I almost forgot because I'm getting old, but not really. We're talking about aging and aging is a really interesting topic because it not only is scary to people, but it's also something we continue to strive for. So between those two things that seem really opposite, we're afraid of something that we keep striving for that we have no control over. So all of that creates a lot of emotion and we're going to talk about that whole process today now i want you to give me a call at one eight five five sophie now we're one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six i'm taking voicemails callers emails any of the questions you have about aging or anything else actually but aging is our topic today and so we're really as far as aging what we're going to be talking about is do our bodies and our minds or brains age at the same time that's a big question because Sometimes you just feel like you're 21, but you look like you're 51. So I wanna know what that means. What are some 85 year olds doing when they're really sharp and other 85 year olds are really slowly declining in their mental function and not really being able to recall and remember and function on a day to day basis. It's another issue we gotta look at. And what do we do to stay fit in our minds? We're gonna be talking to a great expert today to answer some of these questions because prevention is the key to aging in our minds and bodies. So stay tuned, One eight five five sophie now or one 767 4966 So with me today, we're talking about aging, is a well-respected expert in the field of aging, Dr. Douglas Powell, who is from the wonderful School of Harvard, and he's going to tell us all about him, his accomplishments, and bring us some insight into aging, both brain and body. Dr. Powell, you with me? How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you, Dr. Sophie.
0: Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit about you and how you connect to aging.
1: Well, it's a long story, as these things often are. I was trained to work with children and adolescents and spent the first half of my career doing exactly that, with a slight departure in the Air Force where I spent time evaluating Uh, for the Gemini Apollo program. I basically have worked with young people. In uh, 1986, I I wrote the book I always wanted to write, Teenagers, When to Worry and What to Do. And at that time, I was 50 and uh, suddenly fell into a steep decline (laughs) because I'd I'd just done what I'd always imagined I might do. And uh, as, as somebody said there, There are true tragedies in life. Uh, One is not getting what you want, and the other is getting it. And
0: And not knowing what to do with it.
1: And the last is the the greatest tragedy. (laughs) Those words were going through my mind. I was standing by the elevator one time thinking about how I was going to like the uh, side effects of Prozac when my boss uh, at Harvard walked up and said, Doug. You, uh, you used to work with uh, uh, astronauts, didn't you? And I said, well, yes, but that was a really long time ago. He said, well, we have this project that they said couldn't be done. I said, couldn't be done. Tell me more about it. And the project was to develop a test that would pick up uh, early signs of cognitive impairment in physicians. Ah. Uh, this was around 1987, just after Congress had passed the... Uh, Uh, had had banned uh, age-based mandatory retirement. So the the insurance company uh, 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 supporting uh, uh, all of the Harvard teaching hospitals began to be worried that you would have these aging docs cutting off the wrong leg and not paying attention to infections and all of that. So they wanted a test that would sort of identify those that maybe should be encouraged to retire. So uh, I, uh, I, I, I was half happy to have something else to do, so I put together a committee, and we developed a test that actually worked called uh, microcog, uh, and then uh, uh, and I, and I got sick. I, I, I had a, a, a medical problem following some surgery, And uh, but the test was, was up and running, and uh, so the committee was going to just take it to the doctors at the 13 Harvard teaching hospitals, and Tell the docs that basically what we want to do is give you this test, and this will be a kind of baseline. And when your score falls into the the, ra- the red zone, uh, we're going to encourage you to retire. Ooh. And uh, I, I was not there for the discussion, but I gather it was pretty acrimonious, which resulted in the physicians refusing to take the test.
0: Now tell me uh, something. Is, is it fair to say that all aging inability to recall things in your mind, whatever, is called dementia? I mean, uh, what are we telling people out here?
1: Uh, no, what uh, uh, dementia is a very specific kind of problem that involves uh, a gradual decline in the memory, and then typically one or two other areas of compromise, like judgment or social skills or inability to pay attention or, or, or things like that. And, okay. uh, it's a, it's a, a condition that It's fairly easy, as you probably know from your own work, easy to recognize that the problems are really on the edges uh, where it's difficult to tell whether somebody is just suffering from normal cognitive aging where they have difficulties paying attention and with short-term memory and stuff, or whether it's uh, mild cognitive impairment, which is thought of as a transitional state between normal aging and, and dementia.
0: Okay, so like talk to me a little bit about, and, and our listeners, what would qualify as normal aging stuff?
1: Well, uh, if you think about a person say 50 years old, right. uh, how do we judge whether that person is functioning normally or it might be uh, aging optimally or might be at risk for cognitive impairment?
0: And we're talking intellectually, right? Yes,
1: okay. just intellectually. But as you well know, uh, the mind and the body follow very similar curves of decline. Okay. If you chart, say, uh, relative uh, IQ relative, say, to age 30 in physicians, what you'll see is a, a relatively uh, steady uh, decline. In aptitudes, you know, doctors at age 40 are really not as sharp, though they think they are, as young physicians at 30. Right. And, and by 60, there are some dramatic differences in, say, speed of response and uh, visual spatial memory. Uh, you know, where did I leave my car in the parking lot? Inability to pay attention, being more easily distracted.
0: So right. And so. And- all that comes, that's all part of normal aging, you're all saying?
1: All part of normal aging, and uh, I, I think the, the tricky part of it uh, for us when we were trying to develop this test to pick up early signs of cognitive impairment is try to find out where these where these edges are, where a person is not functioning uh, normally anymore right. and is, is in this kind of gray or maybe even red zone. And so we, we spent a lot of time uh, thinking about that. Now, the, the interesting thing is the physical decline looks very similar to uh, attention and memory and overall IQ. Uh, what you get is uh, people's uh, heart, lung, and pulmonary functions all kind of following the same decline curve. at, 70, wow. probably 70% of what you were at. Yeah,
0: 30. So that's really interesting. You've been able to show that the similarities between the decline in mental function and physical function. Very
1: similar.
0: Interesting. And so what would you say is the biggest or the maybe the top two or three issues that accompany that, that account for it? Is it genetics? Is it the way that you've taken care of your body all your life? Is it...
1: That's a very good question. Like
0: does nothing we do matter or does everything we do matter?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, both answers are right. Right. Uh, it, it, it turns That's out what I was afraid that of. Uh, as people get older, uh, the differences between the top and the bottom grow quite substantially. You take a group of 40-year-old doctors, and uh, you know they all look pretty similar, you know, basically, in terms of overall ability. There will be some bright ones and some less bright ones, but they're pretty talented. Take a group of 60 or 80-year-old doctors, and they will look very different. I mean, there will be some 60 and even 80-year-olds who are functioning as well as the typical 45- or 50-year-old, believe it or not. Right. I don't know if you've met these doctors in your, own, in your own professional.
0: I'm one of them. How old are you? No, I'm kidding.
1: No.
0: <laughs> I function at a much lower age intellectually.
1: I think you don't qualify, <laughs> but we, we, are, we have met a, a subgroup of optimally aging older older people, basically, yeah. uh, uh, who uh, are, are functioning at, at the same level as the average 45- or 50-year-old. Interesting. Uh, now, what's also interesting about them is their healthy lifestyle habits and uh, one of the things that my students, uh, I teach a course in the Harvard Summer School, as you may know, and uh, one of the things that my students commented on is uh, how unsurprising uh, the findings were. I, I presented them with some longitudinal data that came out in 2009 about those doctors and those nurses that seem to hold up best the outcome variables being a, a heart failure or hypertension and uh, what the what the studies both found was advice that your grandmother might have given you do not smoke mm, okay drink drink moderately eat healthily, get exercise and uh, there we're talking through, depending on your physical fitness, uh, three or four times a week. Maintain your social networks. One of the things that happens when we get older is there's a tendency for old friends to, to die, to move out of town, to become alienated, to sort of disappear from your life. And, and one of the things that's important for older people to do is to keep making friends in the younger generations.
0: That's so interesting
1: much harder to do than you would
0: think. Oh, I'm sure it is. Let's hold here for a minute and let's take a call. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Kate, are you with us? Yes. Hey, you're on with Dr. Sophie and Dr. Powell. What's your question?
2: My mom is in great shape for her age. She's in her mid-60s. Okay. And I'm starting to get a little bit worried about her memory. I frequently have to repeat entire conversations that we had the day before. She asks questions a lot of times in a row. Um, I'm just wondering if this might be a sign of something worse or if that's a Normal thing in aging, um, you know, and how bad this is, really.
0: Well, if there's anything you can do to help her to prevent it,
2: this is a
1: typical question. I I think the, the the question for me is always, is this kind of a a mental lapse because she's not focused on the conversation, or is it something that she's trying to focus on and can't concentrate? Mm-hmm. I uh, I spent July teaching a class at Harvard, and I. I talked about mental lapses and uh, thought that it might be interesting for all of us to record the mental lapses that we experienced on a daily basis during the month of July, and I couldn't get a single student to join me, so so I did it myself, and uh, what I found was this. The first day I started recording, I had three mental lapses in the morning, including opening the refrigerator door and not not knowing why I, I had done it.
0: Wow.
1: Wandering into the bedroom, wondering what my mission was, and uh, walking uh, out uh, on the porch uh, uh, and, and not being able to bring right back the fact that I was going out there to look for the newspaper. And I was shocked by how many of these were because the normal number of metal lapses per week uh, or tip-of-the-tongue problems or difficulty paying attention, is about five. It's three to five, something like that. I thought, my God, I've used up my week's quota this morning. (laughs) I'm doomed. It turned out that as soon as I started to focus on my mental lapses, they went away.
0: So do you think your mom is just not paying attention?
2: I think sometimes that may be the problem, but I I get worried. You know, we have whole conversations about something important, and the next day she can't. She doesn't remember any of it, but.
0: And have you ever asked her?
2: It's a focus issue.
0: Do you ever ask her? Say, hey, mom. Do you ever? Do you remember we talked about this? And she's. Yeah, like, every,
2: I mean, all the time, and she. I think sometimes it comes back to her a little bit, but sometimes she really just can't recall it. Huh?
1: Has this been a gradual thing, or has it been sudden?
2: Um, I think it's more recently. I mean, I, I certainly recognize that maybe she's always focus may have always been a little <laughs> bit of. You know, how's her, how's her but not, not quite as much as lately.
1: Uh, her physical health, uh, what's that like?
2: Great. She's in great sh- health and good shape. And
1: Does she have uh, friends? Does uh, she see people on a regular basis?
2: Oh, yeah. Yep, she has a great social life.
1: Okay. Is she working uh, for money or...?
2: Um, she, she's, she's retired, but she is very active in, um, the community and the
1: community, always yeah. doing
2: a lot of charity work and things like that.
1: Yeah, is, is anybody else concerned about her?
2: Um, I don't know if there's a lot of high level of concern, but it's just, you know.
0: Do people, do people notice
2: noticed? it? I mean, you know, those of us who. <laughs>
0: who are annoyed <laughs> by it.
2: A lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. So is it you or the her? Yeah, maybe it's just me. That's right. You never know. But does uh, it sound serious, Doctor
1: Powell? I, I, I would I would say uh, probably not. Whew. Uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, it, this looks like one of the normal variants okay. of uh, being. She's what mid sixties, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the uh, what, what what you what what I look for, and uh, and everybody has a slightly different way of doing this. is, is the. Uh, it is the physical side that goes along with it, and normally what you notice is uh, diminished uh, energy level, and it sounds like she and, and uh, some increasing social isolation, and it doesn't sound like she has either of those. No. And it also okay. sounds like she's very active in the community. Is that true?
0: Yes, it sounds like she's very active, right?
1: Yeah,
2: Kate? definitely.
0: So leave her leave her alone and stop being annoyed by her and tell her to pay attention. Okay,
2: I'll cut her some slack.
0: Yeah, cut her some slack.
2: <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: Take care. Uh, <laughs> so, Dr. Powell, I have a question for you. Sure. What about supplements? I mean, people say to me, should I take my ginkgo today?
1: There's no evidence that they work or they don't work, actually. the uh, As you probably are up on this better than I am. But my last review of the literature, which was, Two years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, is that the supplements don't outperform prescription medications, generally speaking.
0: So it's not going to hurt, but it's not going to help. That we it, know it, of.
1: It's not not going to hurt. It's not going to help. Now that being said, um, one of the one of my sub interests in the last uh, six months or so, since I finished this recent book, uh, is uh, are, are these uh, individuals who are diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, uh, which is thought to be a transitional condition between normal aging and dementia, uh, who don't progress to dementia in a period of follow-up. And I found about nine studies uh, worldwide, including China and Europe and the U.S., uh, where uh, a significant number of individuals uh, in their seventies and eighties, who've been followed for three to five years, have not progressed to dementia as predicted. interesting. now maybe they were misdiagnosed. Uh, yeah. maybe they just haven't you know haven't been followed long enough for the inevitable dementia to set in. but the uh, interesting thing is about one in seven of these individuals have were uh, uh, when they were reevaluated, they were diagnosed as not impaired. Which means they 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 return to normalcy. So, uh, what I, I got interested in in what's unique about these fellows, and I met a met a fellow uh, uh, who was retired. Uh, I think UCLA. Uh, I want to say ophthalmologist, but I'm not sure. Anyway, a physician at, at UCLA, and he uh, he was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment uh, in his early 70s and had to retire and. And they just thought they would sort of, you know, wait for the inevitable. Right. But then he started fighting back. He ah, started trying interesting. Uh, medications. And like a lot of doctors, you know, he hated going to doctors. He distrusted medications of all sorts because he'd seen everything that was wrong with them happen. Uh, but he had a doctor that kind of understood him and encouraged him generally to start uh, trying different kinds of medications. And he finally found a medication that worked for him.
0: Very good. So they do help. They do. Okay.
1: And, uh, and, and uh, not, not with everybody, but this subgroup. And my guess there's must be some match with your genetic predisposition right. or something like that.
0: All right. Let Let's take another. Let's take a voicemail. Go ahead. All right.
1: Hi, Dr. Sophie. Uh, this is Tommy from Beverly Hills.
0: Um, I just had a question about aging. My grandmother is about 80 years old, and she's extremely sharp and on the ball, and I know that she does a lot of crossword puzzles and and things like that, but I'm wondering if you have any advice as to other things that I could do that would uh, ensure that I would be just as
1: sharp as she is at, at her age. I'm also wondering if it's more genetic or if it is from doing certain puzzles and
0: uh, logic games and things like that. It's Thanks a very a good
1: question you ask, uh, uh in, 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 my, in my class in the summer school, I always ask the question, I, I have the students interview two older people and sometimes they're their grandparents or, right. but, uh, but often they're not, and then I ask them what they've learned uh, from this experience, and you get the the kinds of statement that you just made. Well, what I learned from my grandmother was uh, that I need to stay mentally active or physically active or uh, repopulate my social networks or find interesting things uh, that that, that challenge me.
0: Interesting. That is uh, very – so there's really – the, the bottom line is you've got to keep your mind moving, and it's all the basic things that we've always heard, like you said, from our grandmother for year, from years ago.
1: Well, the, the, the interesting thing <clears throat> in, in looking at these, these individuals with myocardial impairment that don't progress is that how hard they work at, at, at having a healthy diet. And I didn't know, uh, yeah. and I suspect a lot of your listeners don't know either, that, that a healthy diet has the same power to, uh, to affect our health positively as uh, exercise i didn't know that
0: that's very interesting i wonder why because of the nutrition
1: i think probably though i'm not no I, I, I don't know uh, uh, I mean, when they talk about a balanced diet, everybody seems to, as you know, have a slightly different definition of it. So I'm not sure what they mean. But generally, it's fruits and vegetables and, uh, and whole grain cereals.
0: Interesting. So tell me one more question. We'll do a voicemail after this. Why do you think people are frightened about aging?
1: Oh, boy, that's a good question. I think, uh, I think, I think it's unfamiliar territory. Uh, is one uh, reason. I think the fact that nobody, uh, until very recently, the last two or three years, there's been a whole series of articles and and, and pretty good books that have been written uh, about aging optimally. Nobody's really charted the, the way to optimal aging, and the experts have had a little trouble telling the truth. I mean, they'll talk about the importance of of, of, say, physical exercise. Right. They will, they will compare women with osteoporosis, 10,000 of them, uh, and, uh, and and, and uh, give them a cognitive test today and then 20 years from now. And uh, wh- what they find is the people who get the most exercise have the lowest rate of decline. But in no case do they talk about older people uh, uh, with high levels of exercise maintaining or improving Their intellectual power. Right,
0: but they maintain.
1: Well, what they find is they maintain them relative to the people who don't get any exercise at all.
0: Right. So to me, why I think people are frightened by aging is because it's something they have no control or power of, and they can't really navigate it. And as you say, there's not a whole lot of research that gives them any hope that they can make it better, they can maintain maybe. So I think it's a scary place, but a lot of people, you know, have to struggle with that.
1: Well, it is, and I think what I tried to do in my book was to point out some of the uh, the, the things that you can do that make a difference.
0: Right, and give you some feeling of some power right. and control over this process. So you have
1: some control over it. Right. All right, and, let's... Um, I, I I think that the, uh, for me anyway, the, the fact that, that I know there, I'm 78, uh, that, that there are things I can do that make a difference. Yeah. Really mean a lot to me. Absolutely. So, I work out on a fairly regular basis, and I find, I don't know if it's true or not, but I find that I'm mentally sharper after I work out.
0: Good. And, that, and just having that ability to know that, very powerful and calming to a process that you don't always feel you have control over.
1: Well, that, that's a very good point, because it, it does calm you down. And one of the things that we know, and we're gonna, I've got a student who's going to be working on this with me this coming year, is that anxiety may be as big a factor in cognitive impairment among older people as any other single factor.
0: Right, that's very, very key. Yeah. All right, let's do a voicemail and then we'll talk a little bit more about that.
1: Uh, Hi Dr. Sophie, this is Louis with a couple questions about aging. Um, I want to get your thoughts on some herbs and um, other OTC remedies like ginkgo and how that might help keep a person's brain sharp. And then I'd also like to get your thoughts on prescription medicines like Aricept and how they should be used somewhat preventively um, to keep um, brains healthy in elderly people, especially those who might have a family history of Alzheimer's disease. Thanks. Oh, those, are, those, are, those are very good questions. Yeah. And, and, and the answer today is, is one I might not have given a, a year ago. Oh. And this is that, that everything works for some people in almost nothing works for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's great. You know, when you start talking about special uh, diets or supplements, the the, the, the the answer, if you're looking at 10,000 people, is there's not much difference. It's a little bit like the the recent uh, study I read in the paper the other day showing that, that organic foods really are not superior to, to uh, non-naturally grown foods. Right. <laughs> those so
0: they are. don't do a big, they're not significantly different or better?
1: They're not significantly different. Uh, but uh, it'd be a very hard sell for, to me and my wife uh, on that point, because we happen to believe in it, and I think probably believing is uh, makes it work. But yes. in any case, there are people who respond positively to various supplements, and so you can't say with any statistical conviction that don't, don't bother to take uh, ginkgo biloba over you know, right making, uh because there's really nothing to it that that may not be true in that individual's case and and so i think one has to sort of grit one's teeth and say well you know why don't you give it a shot and
0: see what happens
1: uh, and, and i think the same thing uh, is true with uh, some uh, a some of these other drugs in most cases they're not effective however <laughs> Unreported uh, in most uh, literature are these individuals who somehow have escaped uh, the net of dementia, even though they've been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. And uh,
0: that are using the meds you mean?
1: Yeah, w- w- with the, with medications, they do help some people.
0: And and, it, uh, and is that a false sense then? I'm sorry. Is that a false sense of that they're working, or you really think that they are working?
1: No, I think they are working. Uh, because you get the other, you, you don't get just the cognitive improvement, you get, you get improvement in social relationships, you get right. improvement in self-esteem, you get, uh, and, 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 and as you probably know, the energy level is a big factor when you're trying to differentiate, uh, uh, do a differential diagnosis on is this person aging normally or are these the first faint footsteps of uh, dementia? and uh one of the things that, that we found uh is that uh, if the person has a pretty high energy level and is active with other people in the community and is playing bridge or doing sudoku or whatever it is the, the odds are that this is not this is not a mild cognitive impairment or dementia
0: got it so tell me before we wrap this up a little bit about your new book and where we can find it
1: okay the book is the aging intellect yep. it came out last year uh published by Routledge. Uh, it's, uh, it's about 300 pages, and it's, it's based on partly my own research and partly on the interviews uh, that my students uh, carried out with, uh, with uh, elderly uh, people in their lives. And uh, I thought that the, uh, the, the, the addition of the clinical material from uh, uh, these uh, students really made it a, a, a better book. And also, um, well, one of the things that's, I don't know if you've had this experience, but well, one of the things I've always enjoyed is learning uh, new things uh, from, uh, from teaching students about a topic I thought I knew pretty well. And, uh, and one of the things I, I, I ask them is uh, uh, to tell me uh, what they've learned. Uh, and uh, here's, here's my favorite quote from them. Every year on October 29th, my birthday, I think about how I feel I'm growing up too fast. Before I know it, I'll be 25. (laughs) I can imagine that this sort of feeling will persist till I'm 30. Then I'll worry about being 40. I can't even imagine being 50. But then I think about getting to be 60, and nothing sues my mind more than thinking that I might have a chance to turn out to be an optimal age like the two people I interviewed.
0: Very nice. Very (laughs) nice. So you're not afraid. Of, you're not afraid of aging.
1: Well, I am a little bit. I'm, 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 I'm wary of it, and I try to do everything I can do to minimize the slope of my decline. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the guy I was at 55, but I'm probably better than I would have been at 70 had I had I not cleaned up my act and started getting in shape and that sort of thing.
0: Good for you. Well, you, this interview was great. You knew what you were talking about. So well,
1: thanks, doctor. It's a good I mental
0: did. status check for you. Okay, thank, you. thank you for all your hard work. Get out and buy that book. It's called The Aging Intellect. Dr. Douglas Powell, thank you. So that was us today talking about aging, the topic of help me, I'm getting old, and it's a scary process. It's not something you can control. It's not something that really, there's a whole lot that's going to help it. We learned today that there's supplements and there's prescription drugs, and they all have some role, but nothing that's really going to show any significance, we also know that there's a lot of anxiety in it. There's a lot of fear because it's something that's going to happen anyway. And all of those kinds of things really scare us as individuals. And then if there's a genetic predisposition or you already have an anxiety issue, it's only adding to it. So there's a lot of stuff that you got to navigate through a process that you can't control. So aging is very scary, but it's also something that we've got to go through. And I think what we learned today is the most important thing to do is go through it with as much knowledge as much prevention and start early and do the best that you can and the rest is up to your genetics and the stars and I think the things that you need to keep in mind that we learned again today we're maintaining your social network as you get older it's very important to smile and be happy and have your self-esteem up and feel wanted and needed and give back make sure you're not smoking make sure you're drinking if you do it's moderate and it's not heavy eating healthy our doctor told us today that that is one of the most important key factors in our our ability to prevent and to maintain our aging brain and body eat well and then also exercising three to four times a week they are the basics that we've heard for many many years and centuries and i think that's great advice and we should follow it so be happy get out there meet people make new friends volunteer don't smoke don't drink too much eat really healthy and exercise three to four times a week what more can you do we should all be doing that anyway And then we're on a good path. So that's what we learned about aging. Dr. Douglas Powell has a great book out called The Aging Intellect. Pretty interesting. There's a lot of great interviews in there from his students of their relatives of older people, lots of great insights. So I think that's a place to learn as well what we can do. So aging is scary, but it's going to happen. Arm yourself and prevent it. That's the best way to be. I'd like to thank all of you for listening, the callers, the voicemails, the emails. They're really very helpful. They're great questions, and they really provoke myself and our experts to think outside the box and give us the information that we need. The podcasts are always available weekly on my website, at www.drsophie.com. Keep your eyes on the lookout for the phone app that's coming out. You're going to love it. There's a lot of fun stuff in that. And one sophie now 1-855-767-4966 is there all the time, 24 hours a day. If you got any thoughts, any questions, any comments, we're there. Leave me a voicemail. We'll pick it up and answer it. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm there all the time. And don't forget to visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. But most importantly, don't forget to sweep.
2: But you got to keep your head up oh your head down